You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Brady Quinn, Fox Sports College and NFL studio and game analyst. And he, of course, is on the Two Pros and a Cup of Joe radio show alongside LeVar Arrington and Jonas Knox. You can catch them on Fox Sports Radio weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, which leads right into our show. Brady joins us on the program. Good morning, Brady. How are you? I'm doing well. And let me just say this, McLovin, I'll, I'll miss you. Sad to see you leave. Um, but, mm. you know, everyone's got to move on at some point. You yeah. know? Well, you were cut. You know, you got yeah, yeah. So you know what the feeling is like when the team that you're with doesn't really want you around anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and uh, you know, like I like I told you last week. You know, I had a nice little discussion with my my realtor who was really upset about the whole situation with the landlord. But uh, no, I, it's uh, it, it's uh, you know, uh, sometimes it could be a blessing in disguise. You know, when you get cut, do you get to grab your jersey and take your jersey? No, no, no. And and the worst part is, is there's like a sentence that's said, and then everyone knows what's going to happen next. It's usually coach wants to see you bring your playbook with you. Mm. And I learned that when I first signed and agreed to my rookie deal with the Browns. And I remember walking in the locker room, and as soon as I'm walking in, I heard one of our uh, scouts had, had gone and said something to like one of the other players. And at that point in time, I, I really didn't understand like what was happening, but like literally that transaction was just taking place. And so that guy was getting cut to make move on the, ro- uh, you know, make uh, room on the roster for me to be there. And I, I've never <laughs> forgotten that, that sentence. And that's why I, I always tell, like, <laughs> I tell players and like young kids this all, all the time, because, you know, football doesn't last for everyone, but it, it's a great game that teaches you a lot about life and so regardless of what level, you know, it ends for you, just take your playbook with you. Uh, so try to take, you know, create like a positive spin on something that, that's pretty negative. I had a couple of things here. Uh, before I talk about what's going on with the college football playoff committee and the possibility of forfeitures in the national playoffs, how about this? The team that should stick with its quarterback, Miami, Indy, Philly, the Niners, Washington. Uh, what for next year? I mean, yeah. what's, what's the context of the question? Yeah, like you're set at the I, position. I, I, honestly, I feel like all of them, with the exception of Washington, and and Washington is like the interesting one to me. Where I, I think you you go back before the season, and you're, I'm still kind of questioning. Like, so what was the plan? Like Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the guy, and that was just how it was going to go. And yeah, maybe they battle for the NFC East, maybe not. But I, I just uh, given his age. And and what's their what's their ceiling if that's if that's the decision you're making, and, you know. So I never really understood that whole plan to begin with, and so that's the one thing. Like one team assuredly that I can, I can tell you is going to be looking for a quarterback in the offseason. The rest of them, I think, they've all got young guys who I think you need to give more more time to. Yeah, but I mean, you got to move on from now, Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I, I look at that situation though, just from the small windows we had to see Trey Lance and he's not ready and 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 Garoppolo still has a year left on his deal now granted they can release him and I think the dead cap's like 1.4 or something like that but that might be a scenario where and I'm not trying to compare Jimmy Garoppolo to Aaron Rodgers but you know we saw Jordan Love initially like all right he needs a little more work too he needs some more development too Trey Lance is in a similar boat and as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy 
he plays a winning style of football. You know, you can't take that away from him. He's accurate. He doesn't really turn over the football too much. He's not going to buy time and create a bunch of plays and all that, but he's, he's, he's able to help, you know, this team win football games. And so I just – I don't see a reason to move on from him so fast, especially considering some of the bad years that Kyle Shanahan – and John Lynch have experienced. Like, do you really want to go through those growing pains again yeah. with a younger quarterback just because where you drafted him? Well, I look at Philly, and, and I like Jalen Hurts. I just think they have to decide if they're going to build around him. Uh, Indy, they can't get out from underneath Carson Wentz's contract right now. Miami, I'd have second thoughts about making that trade for Deshaun Watson because you can use those draft picks and make yourself a better team. And I think Tua has played well enough to maybe hold on to that. The Niners, eventually they have to move on with Garoppolo and Trey Lance in the uh, on-deck circle, and Washington certainly. So I, Philly might be the one team that I would say, out of all of them, like, it feels like they're a little more set than anybody else. I feel like every single one of those situations with their quarterback, though, is unique. Like, one of the things I'll say about Jalen Hurts from following him from Alabama to Oklahoma and then to the NFL is – that young man's gotten better and better and better the more he, he's played. And I really thought he took a jump from the frustrations that we would hear from Nick Saban in the spring game when he's mic'd up, you know, about you know, throwing the football and not playing more from the pocket, to then doing that at Oklahoma to a degree, and then continuing to get better at that at the NFL level. I just think he's the type of kid that the more he plays, the better he's going to get. And, and I think he likes challenges. I think he likes you know, the, the way Nick Sirianna and him, the rapport they have. And so he's the type of guy that even if you do build out around him and you find out two years from now, like what his ceiling is, it's just not for you. You know, you're still going to have that team set up, though, for whoever the next guy is going to be to have success. You know, then you look at Miami. You know, the way Tua Tungavailoa was handled last year and this year, I just don't know how you can sit there and look at it and say, like, he's, you've really gotten a clear picture of, you know, what he's capable of being because you kept jerking him in and out. Yeah. And it yeah. never made any sense to me last year. Yeah. And the offensive line that they've rebuilt is finally starting to mesh a little bit better. But, you know, by and large part, they haven't had much of a consistent running game. And so, you know, his, his accuracy is obviously one of the best in the league. He's been able to make some plays. I know people talk about him not having the strongest arm, but he can still make all the throws. So I, I, I'm kind of more of a believer, too, in just seeing what he is, at least next year, unless you really do feel like you can get a better quarterback via a trade and, and whether that's Deshaun Watson or anyone else. But obviously with Deshaun Watson, there's a lot of potential baggage that could come along with that. And that's obviously the risk, I think, for any team that's looking to say, all right, can we get better than this, or, or should we continue to build them with what we have? Four rookies made the Pro Bowl. If we redrafted, what order would they go in? Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Rashawn Slater. I mean, are we putting a premium on the position? Because... Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about Michael Parsons, as good as he's been this year, is like Dallas lucked into that position, right, due to the injuries and all that. So if he could redraft it, he's probably going first overall Yeah, with the way he played. Now, I, I mean, maybe that sounds like it's um, – maybe that sounds like controversial to a degree, but the reality is you could put him up for defensive player of the year and he, he might win it. And I don't know if there's, there's been any player that's impacted a team or at least a side of the football more so than Micah Parsons this year. So I think he would be the first one you take off the board. Yeah, I you know, agree. Rashawn Slater, Rashawn Slater doesn't get enough credit because he's a tackle. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't look at what he does and we say, oh, like th- this guy has been playing at a high level. He's been as good as probably most tackles in the league this year as a rookie. 
So I'd probably say second, and especially when you've got a guy like Herbert he's protecting. You know, Chase would probably be third. I think he's been everything that was advertised. Uh, advertised, And, um, you know, who's the fourth? <laughs> uh, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem is as good as Pitts has been at the tight end position, you know, that, that team's just got so many issues, so many holes, and it's going to be hard for him to turn things around. But to me, between Chase and, and Pitts, I, I think Chase has had the bigger impact as far as the two pass catchers. Talking to Brady Quinn, uh, former Notre Dame quarterback, NFL quarterback, and of course works for Fox Sports. I'm trying to figure out this college football playoff policy that was uh, written this week. Uh, why they're putting it out now kind of boxes them them in. But, uh, you know, they're talking about if one of the four semifinalists is unable to participate because of a COVID outbreak, the unavailable team will forfeit. Its opponent will advance to the national championship. If both teams are unavailable to play in a semifinal game, it would be declared a no contest, and the winner of the other semifinal game would be declared the national champion. The, I guess, you know, the national title game is January 10th, and it can be pushed back to no later than January 14th. Are they trying to scare these teams, these players? Like, what? Get, give me the logic uh, behind this. I don't know. I don't know if there's much logic to it. I mean, I, I think maybe Cincinnati's somewhere hoping and praying that everyone gets COVID and they'll be able to be declared the champion, right? I mean, that, that's, that, that's the only thing that makes sense to me in this whole thing. But um, the reality is I don't know why they just can't reschedule or push it back. Um, I, I, I get their semifinal bowl games. There's a lot that goes into the preparation for these. It's not like you know, your typical regular season game. There's a lot more that goes into it, the hotels and the people flying in and everything, how it's booked. Like, I, I understand all of that, but there has to be some degree of, this is for a national championship. You know, we, we, we'd like this thing to play itself out. And, and I also wonder, like, what that burden is where a team decides it's going to declare it's going to have to forfeit because of COVID cases. This isn't the NFL. You have more than 46 active players that can play in a game, Right. You've got, what, 85 scholarship players on most teams, whatever the case is, but 100 players in the team. You can field a team. It just may not be all your starters if that ends up being the case. So I, I'm not sure really what the point is outside of maybe motivating all the teams to get boosters. But even in that event, I don't know that that, that provides them any additional protection like we see with the NFL where if players are vaxxed, if they're asymptomatic, they're not going to get tested. It's only if they're tested. Yeah. If they were implementing a policy similar to that, then it would make sense to you know sense for me to say, okay, like you know some of these teams, like I think Michigan's going to get, boost, they're all going to get boosters together as a team. Well, if they're incentivized to do so because it, look, look, as long as the kids are asymptomatic, they're going to let them play. That'd be one thing. But to the best of my knowledge, that hasn't been the statement that they've made. So I, I'm not sure if they just feel like because of all the news coming out with this particular variant that they're saying we need to get it out there, what our plans are. So people aren't shocked by it. Maybe that's part of it, but uh, I just, you know, I'll be really curious to see if these teams can kind of hold on or if Cincinnati somehow ends up not even have to play another game and winning a national championship, which would be uh, pretty interesting to see that, you know, the reaction to that. Who's your pick to win it all? Well, I think Bryce Young, which I've been kind of pounding the pavement for him all year. He, he's one of the best quarterback talents like I've ever seen. Um, and so it's hard to pick against Bama just for that reason. Wait, wait. Like would he, you put he, Bryce in there with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert? And, like, how? As, as, as far as talent-wise, yes. Like, the, the types of throws he can make, 
and how he plays the game as a young player in college football is unbelievable. I, I said it before the year started. I, said, I told everyone back in the spring to take the betting advice he's going to win the Heisman. Here's the other one. He's going to be the first two-time Heisman winner. Now, the only thing that would stand in his way is an injury or if he decide, decides to bounce after next year. That's, that's really it. Because I think he's talented enough to win two. I don't know if he'll be in college football long enough to do it. But he's that good of a player. Um, and so it's hard to pick against Bama and their track record and all that for, for that reason. But my anticipation is you're going to see Georgia and, and Alabama play off again for the national championship, unless everyone gets COVID. Um, and I think it's going to be hard to beat a team twice. And I think that's where you maybe see Georgia finally mm. get over the hump and, and, and they end up winning the national championships when it's all said and done. But I, I just it, – it's hard to bet against that kid. The way he moves around the pocket, the way he can create plays, utilize his legs – He's as accurate as, as you'll see. So I, I'm a huge Bryce Young fan, as I'm sure you can tell. Brady, thanks as always. Uh, Merry Christmas to the family, and uh, we'll talk to you in the new year. Yep, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern, or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. He's Michael Buble, singer-songwriter, record producer, a 10th anniversary deluxe edition of Michael Buble's classic album, Christmas, is available now. Great to have you back on the program, Michael. I'm curious what it's like when you go, you and your wife go to a Christmas party, and somebody's got a piano there. What happens? <laughs> It's it's just it's forget about the Christmas party. What about the shopping mall or the elevator? Oh, or the funeral home. <laughs> <laughs> when wait when you hear your music? Well, yeah, that's a scary place. You don't want to hear it in the elevator. That's for sure. But uh, definitely, I mean, every I just went and bought stuff for my wife for Christmas. You know, of course, the last minute shopper just panicking. You know, what do I get? And of course, you know, people see me and say, like, can you sing that one? Can you do like Jingle Bells? <laughs> with, my, with my personality, though, you know, I'm in the middle of Bed Bath and Beyond going, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle all the way. Kevin Bacon said that he hates going to a reception, a wedding reception, because everybody thinks he's going to dance like he did in Footloose. <laughs> like, come on. Hey, come on, Kevin. Dance like you did in Footloose there. Yeah. Yeah. If I could dance like Kevin, I probably would. I probably would be dancing. Yeah, but if he could sing like you, then he would be singing. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Where's the strangest place, though, you've been asked, like, you know, t- to sing a song? Uh, you know, weirdly, I think it was my grandma's funeral. And I was really emotional. I was devastated. You know, I was just, I was just a big day for all of us. And this uh, sweet woman that we had hired in catering, this nice Italian lady, came up to me as I exited the bathroom, you know, and uh, she said, sing a song. Yeah, you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> sing home. And, I, and, you know, again, in my personality, I say, like, I don't know if this is the best time for that. <laughs> what, is the, what is the one song that somebody else sings that you wish was yours? Oh, God. That's a great question, man. There's so many. I think, I mean, I think God only knows uh, the 
is one of the, I mean, it's the one so of the most beautiful songs the, ever written. So the Beach Boys. I wish it was mine. I wish half the Ed Sheeran songs that he wrote were mine. Sometimes I fantasize about just, you know, going back in time and just stealing them, you know. <laughs> but do you, do you do covers? You have, I mean, you're a very humble guy. I, you know, a lot of artists don't want to do covers of somebody else, but you have no problem with no, that? No, I do. You know what's weird? I, we, I live in a very weird, you know what, Dan, it's weird. I live in a very strange place as an artist because I, I am... I cover songs. I mean, I do what say Sinatra did or Presley, you know, I, I take these songs and I reinterpret them. The great American songbook, but my biggest successes have been songs that I've written. have been the pop songs, which is very weird for people to try to put me in a box because what, what am I? Because those guys, Dean or, or Frank or Tony Bennett, they didn't write songs. They didn't have pop songs on the radio. So why do you, you know what I mean? It's very strange to have to explain, especially if people don't know, they don't understand the same guy who wrote Haven't Met You Yet or Everything or Home is the same guy who's doing Feeling Good or uh, Come Fly With Me. Who's tougher to uh, cover, though, if you look at those guys that you met? Like, is Sinatra tough to cover? It's never the artist. It's more about the song and the history of the song and who's had a part in the history of the song. You know, that's, it's funny. I find it, I don't find it easy to write songs. It, it's challenging to write a good song, obviously. Everybody could do it if they could. But when I write a song, it's original and no one can compare it to anything. When I cover Come Fly With Me, you're now dealing with a song that's been tackled by Ella Fitzgerald, Frank Sinatra, you know, <laughs> Connick. There's, there's all these, all of these. So it's, you know, it's weird. I think that's what I'm, I'm best at. I think, if anything, forget about singing or that, that part of reinterpreting it as a, as a vocalist. I think what I'm best at is conceptualizing and coming up with um, ideas to make a song fresh and sort of almost very cinematic ideas within the arrangement. Like say something like Cry Me River. I don't know if you ever heard my, my version of Cry Me River, but <clears throat> Cry Me River is a great song, but it took, I was, you know, I think I was in the, having a bath or something. And I had come up with this line. This big dramatic build. And when I took it to the producer, I, I sang it to him. He right away, he understood the concept. And, and like I said, it was very cinematic. It was almost like a James Bond-esque build and you could feel the drama. And I knew for my show, it'd be a great way to open the show. And so that is the challenge is, taking something that's been done so many times and making it sound brand new. And you know, you've done it when you take a song and it's a standard that's been there for 60 years or 80 years. And people say, I love, you know, I love that you wrote this song or whatever they, they you know, they'll tell me, they'll say like, I love traffic, like feeling good. You know, they'll say like, wow, I love the way, you know, you wrote feeling good. It's amazing. And of course they'll say, thank you. But do you, as opposed to I didn't write that. <laughs> do you have to ask for per permission to cover a so uh, song with an artist? No, you don't. You don't have to ask. And what's weirder is like, so it's happened to me. So years ago, I wrote a song called Home, and it was good for me. It went number one on on this format of radio on AC or whatever. And then Blake Shelton, the country singer, he covered it. And he had a number one that was bigger than my number one. And, and he had a, his number one was in country radio. Across the pond, a band called Westlife had a number one with it. They called the record home. And so people kept coming up to me and saying, 
I love that cover of West West Home, <laughs> or I love that place. <laughs> and the same thing was happening. I was like, no, I wrote that. That's mine. But what do you get paid off of that? A ton. Oh, yeah. good for you. Good. So what thank those... you, Blake Shelton. Keep listening to Blake Shelton's home, everyone. <laughs> what are those checks like, though, when they come in? That is there a reference to where the money's coming from? Yes, there definitely is. It's all broken out. It's weird now because of the way that streaming is. I mean, isn't your is your world changed with streaming? How much is your world changed? Uh, pod- how things are remunerated? Podcasts. Uh, digital, like we had 11.9 million downloads last month. Wow, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. And do you know? And do you know what your your cut of that? This is a terrible conversation to have, but do you know what the cut is? Like, I have no idea. I think I know my manager deal. Uh, he's a great guy. His name is Bruce Allen. I know he's very and he's generous. I get I get 20 percent. He gets 80 percent. Uh, I think that's a good deal. I've been told that he told me it's a very good deal. Wow. <laughs> do you know what your cut is, Dan? Do you know what you like? Do you know what you get out of it, that? It, it, it's so the pie is cut up in so many slices that, yeah. that you, you know where things go and what they go for. I understand. And, and I bought my own man cave and then I have to rent out the equipment. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still paying people for things that they're not involved with the show anymore, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, I hope, and I, I know McLovin's leaving. I hope you get to still pay him um, even when he's gone. Can you, I know this is, you know, I'm, I'm asking you to do something for me. You know, you're in the elevator, you're at a funeral. <clears throat> you got something to sing to McLovin that like, you know, this is the, we got 20 more minutes. You got, yeah. you got something we can just kind of give him? Because we didn't get him anything good today. I mean, we're not that sorry he's going, but we'd like, yeah. we'd like to convey that if we could. Like, Absolutely. You I got something, something lightly emotional that you could sing to McLovin. Okay, let me just try. Uh, like, uh, Okay, hold on. Let me. Uh, give, what about this, McLovin? Okay. Wait, hold is on, it, Michael. It, it, I, I got to yeah. give the official introduction mm-hmm. here. The 10th anniversary deluxe edition, and Michael's not telling me to say this, I'm doing this, his uh, classic album Christmas available now, a new studio album coming out next spring by invitation. He also has uh, a fragrance for women on set. What? I don't know anymore. (laughs) It's not even me. It's the the manager. (laughs) It smells like the manager. Do you get 20% of that as well? Wait, yes, of course I do. <laughs> okay, here we go. Michael Bublé <laughs> sings to McLovin. McLovin, thanks for the memory. You weren't good, but you were okay. We thought you were fine. Maybe you were adequate. I think it is time to say Thanks for the memories. Thank you. I was trying to think of what rhymes with adequate. <laughs> I, by the way, I didn't prep Michael to do that. He, but, but he does know your limitations, McLovin. Was that like Bette Midler singing to Johnny Carson? Was that the same thing? Kind that of that kind of was, that, except that I don't <laughs> think that was as hungover as I am right now. <laughs> Have you ever played a show drunk? Never. That's weird. People think often 
There's a big thing. When I started, because I was, I was so, I was so loose, you know, I was, it's, here's the thing. I did this. I started when I was 16 and my grandpa used to sneak me into nightclubs and he was a plumber. And so the only way that we knew how to get me out there was he would trade. So he'd get musicians or a club guy and he'd say to the club guy, let my grandson in to sing. And they'd say, no, my, your grand, your kid, he's six, 16 years old. They're drinking age is 19. He'd say, listen, I'll go and I'll fix the toilet and I'll put in a hot water heater in the kitchen here. And he would go in and, and trade Contra and they'd let me up on stage. So I did this from, I was like, it's been a long, you know, even weirder. I, I think this is true, but I was 16 in Vancouver playing on like U street on these little clubs and bars and restaurants and stuff. And across the street was a kid even younger than me that was doing stand up at like 14 and 15. And that was Seth Rogen. And I used to hear about him. I used to hear about like, oh, you know, there's this kid, there's this young kid like you and he's doing this, you know, he's, he's in the clubs, the adult clubs and stuff. Anyway, so by the time I got to doing this at 26 and finally got signed, it'd been 10 years of me working. So I was very loose up there, very, you know, confident and, and it was very easy, but fun for me. But people say, oh, he's wasted. That guy's wasted. But, but Dean, I'm such Dean a- Martin always gave you the impression that he was wasted, but, yeah. he, but he wasn't. But it- I think that's the impression I gave. But the truth is, I'm such a control freak that I would never, ever do anything that could, I would ever lose uh, that kind of control. I, I, like, I think that um, it's funny. I just did this Christmas special and Lauren Michaels was the producer. We were talking about a lot of the artists because I did a thing with Jimmy Fallon. And we were talking about, and you know a lot of those guys. And we were actually talking about how loose they all seem and how great uh, they are at improvisation. But there's most of them, 95% of them are so structured and they're so, um, you know what I mean? That, yeah. they, you're, that it all seems like it's just off the cuff easy, but that's because that's, that's the, I was going to swear that they have prepared so well, like Jimmy Fallon, it's funny, you know, sweet and funny and, you know, real silly and goofy and stuff when you, but man, backstage when we were working out this, this gag that we were doing, it wasn't, it was real serious, real structured. And, uh, so no, never been drunk, never been high. Um, but that, but when we switch over to, to, to my normal life, <laughs> I've never been sober. <laughs> you know? It's off stage where the problems well done. are. Well done. Yeah. Uh, you. Your football, your fantasy football team in shambles. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Brady and uh, Alma Kamara were my, I'd look at, I, I actually, this isn't a joke. I just put my head down in shame. <laughs> um, you, yeah, you felt I, uh, pretty I good had, last I had Tom year. Brady and, I had Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and I put in Tom. And I really liked Brady, and obviously he's a great player. That's just four points, and um, Kamara just was invisible. Are you a Seahawks fan? I am a Seahawks fan. Oh, yeah. sorry about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that, Michael. It's really getting it's just getting much worse. More, you know? more drinking. Uh, before I let you go, um, yeah. I play judge here, and I want you to be honest. Okay. okay, this is American Idol. I want you to, can this person sing? Okay. Okay, here we go. In the meadow, we can build a snowman. We'll pretend that he is Parson Brown. He'll say, I am married. We'll say no man. But you can do the job when you're in town. Yeah. 
Would yeah, you, actually, yeah. Would you send him on to Hollywood if you're Simon Cowell? I would go. You know what the first thing I would do? I'd say, hey, Randy Newman, hey, we're going to do a new Disney track. You don't even have to sing it. We have a guy who can sound like you. Really? I think so. He's kind of got that thing. Who was that? That's Fritzy. That's really good. That was really nice. He's Thank got you. that kind of, that Randy Newman-esque, that cool, that kind of character to his voice. Do you know Randy Newman, Todd? Now I do. Wait, we're, come on. He, he's done all these great soundtracks. Is he the one that sang like short people and stuff like that? Yeah. You've got a friend in Yeah. <laughs> you got a friend in me. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, do you want to hear Fritzy do Rick Ashley? Here we go. We're no strangers to love. You know the rules, and so do I. Never gonna give, never gonna give, never gonna give. You Jump in, up. Michael. Come never on. gonna let never you gonna down. down. Never gonna, gonna run, run around and hurt you. Never gonna say Never gonna say Wow. Never gonna tell a lie and desert you. What do you think? That's good, man. Oh. I would love to get in the shower. I would love to get in the shower with you. <laughs> <laughs> we would sound so good together. That can be arranged, Michael. That is a fabulous that idea. Can be arranged. It'll have to be a big shower, though, to get Todd in there okay. with you. Okay. All right. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, great to talk to you again. And uh, likewise, man. So nice to, and I and I'm so excited to be here on this day, like the last day of Christmas. It's like school, you know. Yeah. Remember the last day of school when yeah. you were going off for Christmas break, and it was so exciting. Yeah. Now my football's dead. I got my Vancouver Giants <laughs> hockey team that I'll be watching. Thank so you. So that's how I'm spending the break. Thank you, Michael. Great to talk to you. Merry Christmas likewise. to you and your family. Thank you, buddy. God bless, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We got a celebrity email. Somebody wanted to uh, give their thoughts on McLovin leaving. What we learned about McLovin. And will I cry before the end of the show? Todd and I have a bet. The loser gets a pie to the face. Yes, Eaton? Got to admit, I thought Arcade Fire was yep. going to get you there. Yep. And boy, yep. you just I, breeze right I, by I, that. You know what? I keep saying, be happy for McLovin. Don't be sad. You know, we're going to lose him and we're not going to replace him. But be, be happy. Be proud. That's what I'm trying to get through because Todd's going to take a pie to the face. Yes, you are, Todd. You're so competitive. I know. You've convinced yourself. You've stopped yourself from crying. I know. I know. Uh, Celebrity email is from who, Paulie? Dan, this was into our inbox, and I'm going to read it verbatim. McLovin, congratulations on your new radio show. You will be missed. Orenthal. And it's from uh, an email, and it's uh, OJ. And uh, we're trying to confirm whether it actually is OJ Simpson or not. I, I, and I've done some digging, and I cannot rule out that it is O.J. Simpson email. Hello, Dan Patrick Show. <laughs> I love that McLovin. It's me, your old friend O.J. I just wanted to say that while I was in prison, I used to watch every single day, and I used to laugh. 
McLovin, best wishes to you on your new adventure. It's actually signed Orenthal. <laughs> so not OJ. No, his actual name. But we're checking. As of right now, I think it might be legit. Do you have any knowledge if OJ watches the show or not? Have I you ever not, been told? I do not know. I do not know. Um, you know, it was supposed to be your show, McLovin, but Fritzy's the one who's the big winner here. Got to do a duet with Michael Buble. That was awesome. Do you know that Michael Buble at his house has a full hockey rink? He was showing the, the big German and Marvin during the commercial break. They're like, what do you have behind you? And he goes, uh, that's a hockey rink. He's, he's got one in his house. Uh, let's go around the room what we learned about McLovin. Is that what we're doing, Paul? Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I've never met anyone who uh, is, gets more upset when they're hungry than Andrew McLovin Perlock. That is true. When he does not get food, all bets are off. Um, he's also a very good cook at making chili. Okay. Ooh. He is uh, a natural on air, and that's what the great thing. When he joined our staff, he needed no introduction to being an on-air guy. He was good with sports and good with comedy and knows when to get in and when to get out. He's been a great friend, all the best. Thank you, Paulie. Wow. Yeah. It's going to make the other two Dan at job a lot harder. <laughs> uh, I took off a greeting card. Uh, Seton? Uh, can you go to Todd? Uh, Todd, what did you learn about McLovin? Going with the food one to play off of uh, Paulie, do not stare or look in the direction at all or ask what <laughs> Andrew is eating at any given moment when he's taking out his pita bread and his chicken salad or his tuna salad. He's focused and leave him alone. But I do want to say once again, great guy, always in great spirits, willing to do anything and everything for the show. And it's going to be very, very... Very weird not having him sitting there come Monday, January 3rd, and he will be greatly missed, and he's going to do great in everything he does in the Fighting future. Tighten it up, Todd. <laughs> uh-huh. Let's go. I ramble. I do that. I know you. But do. I love the guy, and he's going to do great things, and I'm going to miss him a lot. Thank you. Uh, Seton O'Connor. You know, I'm sitting here, and I don't know that it feels real yet. No, it doesn't. It feels like, uh, okay, we're just going to Christmas break, yep. so I think that, you know, January 3rd will be uh, much more interesting um, yeah, check in with me on January 3rd, because then I'll be like, oh, yeah, McLovin's gone. What should I say nice about him? Yeah, McLovin. I have the same feeling. I'm like, this doesn't feel, because, you know, we do so many bits on the show, too. It kind of feels like. Like, I'll just see you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make content out of everything. So sometimes it's hard to turn that mode off. Yeah. This, this would be a great bit if it was a bit in that <laughs> we're acting like we're saying goodbye to McLovin, but he's going to be here on January 3rd. <laughs> but that's not the case. Yes, I see. I will say that it's kind of nice that Andrew is leaving in a way because then we could just be friends instead of like coworkers. Mm-hmm. You know, coworkers gets a little more tricky. Mm-hmm. Whereas just being friends is like, all right, cool, let's just go hang out or something, or let's talk about you know just BS on things. And I'm in a weird way, I'm really looking forward to that part of uh, our relationship. Mm, okay, happening. Okay. I have noticed that you guys are friends with everybody you used to work with. They, like a lot of, uh, at Super Bowl time, a lot of former ESPNers and stuff, everybody, including you, Dan, are really tight with a lot of people. Not all people. Well, <laughs> no, because if you work on this show, then you become part of the show that made it successful. And, and I never lose sight of that. Even guys who were cameramen, like we, we're still good friends with people who did this from, you know, the, uh, the early days. You know, Nick and Casey, those guys that, you know, but they, we had so much fun. I mean, you can't help but have fun on this show with everything that goes on. Uh, this day in sports history, Paulie, do you want to do nah, something? Nah, it's, it's trivial. I, Babe Ruth did something. Nah. Franco Harris had the immaculate reception there on this is. day. 1972. 
How much is that NFT worth? I was wondering. Is that the greatest catch? Even though they didn't win the Super Bowl, I don't think, that year. But Franco's catch? I don't know. Nobody cares. We're, you know, let's say goodbye to McLovin. I'm getting messages on social media from people that are like, why am I crying? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's the end of an era. End of a great run. McLovin, I'll let you have the podium for the final words here. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. (laughs) (laughs) How on earth? I have 20 seconds to sum up the last 12 years. Uh, Not even that. Well, it all started when a young man in suburban Philadelphia stole Charles Barkley's hat and wore Barbara Streisand's bra on his head, and now I'm on TV. Thank you, buddy. We wish you well.